Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Today we will recap the week that was, including the factors that drove trading activity, notable economic indicators, and what to expect in the week ahead. Joining me here on the line for the conversation today, his second appearance in one week, Mike Gord, Investment Associate Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Mike, good morning to you. Happy Friday and looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah. Happy Friday indeed, Dan, and thanks for having me back again so soon. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, a bright and sunny one this afternoon up in the Northeast. So, As am I. The forecast Good looks awesome. Ahead. Absolutely. So before we get there, I know there's a few key topics we want to hit on for our listeners, our clients. It was a, a pretty busy week, and reflecting on the trading activity in particular, we did see the rotation out of growth and into value slow a bit relative to recent weeks. So, Mike, can you give us some insights into how they've been performing recently and what may have caused this more sideways movement this week? Yeah, absolutely. And and you're really you're spot on that they have been a bit more sideways moving this week. Uh, you know, the biggest underlying factor has to do with the, you know, the movements in treasury rates that we've seen recently. So typically in this rising rate type of environment, value outperforms. Um, you know, for a couple of reasons, the first being they're more cyclical. So as the economy recovers, rates start rising, their earnings prospects start to improve. The example I always go to is, is like a core value business of a bank. As rates rise, the curve steepens. They're able to make more money from lending and borrowing at various parts of the curve, boosting earnings potential. That, I think, is the most simple way to understand how these value companies, you know, have better earnings in a rising rate environment. Now, the other big factor uh, is that the standard dividend discount valuation models that are used to value these companies are very sensitive to changes in interest rates. And that's especially true for growth companies with lower or you know less stable or predictable earnings. So higher market interest rates means a higher discount rate and lower share prices typically. So this week we saw longer end rates give up a bit of their ground. Uh, the 10 year was down, you know, higher single digit basis points around 78 basis points. But over the last few weeks, those 10 year yields have still risen dramatically around 23 basis points just since the beginning of March uh, and, and much more since the beginning of the year. And so, you know, in this environment in the month of March, value has outperformed growth by roughly 5%. Uh, and, you know, the last comment I'll make here is that <clears throat> this week we did see some of this, the defensive sectors really shine. Uh, you know, utilities, consumer staples led the way in terms of weekly performance, uh, again, due to their bond-like nature and their typically inverse performance to changes in treasury rates. So that, that's kind of what's going on this week. It's really an interest rate story. Thank you, Mike. A helpful color making sense of what we witnessed in the markets this week and the factors that drove the moves you spoke about. So another topic I want to hit on, a big point of interest this week, we did hear from Fed Chairman Jerome Powell a few times over the past few days, including a appearance up on Capitol Hill with now Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, a former Fed Chairman. Were there any notable takeaways from Fed Chair Jerome Powell's remarks with respect to the economic conditions we're currently living through and the role or remedy of policy on a going forward basis. Yeah, yeah. So we, we did get some further insights into the Fed's thinking this week, thanks to those those few appearances from Powell. Uh, as you mentioned earlier in the week came the testimony on Capitol Hill, where I think the big takeaway from his comments was that he viewed this recent rise in Treasury yields that I mentioned earlier. He viewed that as very orderly and not near the point where 
it would meaningfully tighten financial conditions to where it might disrupt the economic recovery. Uh, he also took the opportunity to reiterate that we will likely see rising prices in coming months, but that, again, this is expected to be transitory, and the Fed will be looking through this data and focusing on the longer-term trends of prices and, and price increases. Um, <clears throat> now, actually, Powell did an interview with NPR yesterday. Uh, we did get a little bit more from him then. <clears throat> Excuse me. He said that uh, Fed support will be pulled back very, very gradually when the economy has all but fully recovered. Now, what this suggests for a timeline is that there will be no tapering of asset purchases until at least early next year. And even then, the pace of tapering will be very, very gradual. Now, keep in mind that while the Fed is still doing QE, it won't be raising rates. So putting these timelines together is, is a messy guesstimate, but it gives us a rough idea of when rates could start to be lifted. And Powell's comments would suggest that he doesn't see that happening until sometime in 2023. Now, we'll keep an eye out on market expectations for that first rate hike, since they currently have it pegged around the second quarter of 2022, and one or the other is going to have to give. So that's the latest from, from the Fed. Well, Mike, something we'll continue to keep an eye on, but thank you for those takeaways. It sounds like it was a busy week for the Fed chairman. It was also a fairly busy week for data point releases. So were there any standouts, Mike, that you can share with us? Yep, yeah, you know, it's always a busy week for, for macro data, you know, in these times. A uh, few notable releases this week, and I'll start with the labor market. Uh, so we got initial and continuing jobless claims data from the previous week. Both have now hit post-pandemic lows. Of course, that's great news, but you do have to keep in mind how many Americans remain out of the workforce, and it is clear that there's still a long way back to get to where we were. Uh, we also got the third revision for 2020 Q4 GDP uh, actually revised slightly higher from 4.1% to 4.3%. Uh, you know, always great to see and signals that activity has been picking up a bit more than, you know, economists had previously expected. Uh, this morning, actually, we got personal income and personal spending data. Uh, those both registered declines from last month's very high results, uh, but they were in line with market expectations. I will personally be curious to see the effect of the recent stimulus checks that, that, have, come, that have gone out uh, in next month's data here. Uh, but even with the decline this month, the total accumulated savings of Americans remains near record levels, signaling high pent-up demand. Uh, and then the last one I will touch on is we got the Fed's preferred inflation gauge reading this morning for the month of February. That gauge is the core PCE gauge. Uh, and it actually fell to 1.4% year over year versus last month's 1.5% and the 1.6% that was expected by the market. <clears throat> so a bit of a surprise here, as I would have expected to see some of the base effects from last year's slowdown start to trickle into the data. My assumption is that this will <clears throat> excuse me, likely get revised slightly higher next month alongside a much higher reading for April. Again, thanks to those base effects which are now 12 months in the past, coinciding with the start of lockdowns in the U.S. 
Well, thank you, Mike. Interesting observations on this week's economic data and the picture it all paints for current economic conditions. So thank you for sharing some of those takeaways. Uh, Maybe one final question before we close out for this week, Mike. Uh, Looking ahead to next week, what will be some points of interest in particular that you will be monitoring? Yeah, uh, of course. Always plenty to watch these days. Um, So next week, we will be getting uh, more labor market data as we get, you know, another week of initial and continuing unemployment claims. But we also do get non-farm payroll data for March, where, you know, the street is looking for a big rebound after last month's disappointingly low reading. Uh, We will also get a few activity indicators like the ISM manufacturing index currently sitting strongly in expansionary territory above 60. So we'd love to see it stay up there. Uh, the one indicator I'll personally be watching closely is the ISM prices paid reading, which is incredibly elevated at 86. Uh, you know, for some context, the last time it was this high was in July of 2008, just before, you know, the big market crash. Uh, beyond economic indicators, you know, I always try to keep my eyes or at least one eye on Washington. Uh, I'll be looking for some talking points or initial proposals for Biden's infrastructure bill, kind of anything that will give us some more color there. Um, there's going to be a long road between today and getting anything passed, but it's still worth paying attention to how the different parties will intend to pay for what will be yet another, you know, monumentally large fiscal package. Uh, you know, there's going to be lots of fits and starts along the way, because as you know, Dan, every week is infrastructure week in DC. It's been that way for years. Uh, so at this point, I'm mostly watching where each side will be drawing that first line in the sand. Well, it sounds like there's plenty to keep an eye out for, whether it's on Wall Street or down in the Beltway. But Mike, thank you for your thoughts, reflections on what was an eventful week on several fronts and for providing our listeners, our clients with a look at what we should expect in the week ahead. In the meantime, Mike, wish you a nice weekend and looking forward to having you join us again on the podcast soon. Thanks, Dan. You have a good weekend as well. Thank you, Mike. And again, today we have been joined by Mike Gord, Investment Associate Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. As a reminder to our clients and listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located up on UBS.com forward slash CIO. For clients of UBS, you can also contact your financial advisor if you would like to learn more or receive a copy of any of the resources directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements.
In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.